0: We're going to be in Psalm 121 this morning, and this will be the last message in our seven Psalms series, and I can only trust that God has used this series in your life to draw you closer to Him, and I know it's been very rich for me. I so enjoyed what God put on Jonathan's heart last week from Psalm 86. That was so good. I just listened to it and enjoyed it, enjoyed it, and course, he has to always get his digs in about me, and uh, that's just how he treats me, but I love him anyway. So, no, that was rich, and I'm just trusting the Lord to, once again, just magnify himself as we just walk through the psalm this morning, Psalm 121. The British writer and scholar C.S. Lewis, uh, he's just, his quotes, right? They're just so rich and so full And so many of them are just rooted or anchored in Scripture and principle. But he said, he who has God and many other things has no more than he who has God alone. I am certain that one of the things that God is up to in all of our lives, I am certain of this, one of the things that he is up to is bringing all of us to the place where we genuinely believe that he and he alone is enough. I I believe that's what God is up to in all of our lives is to get you to the place to get me to the place where God, you and you alone are more than I could ever want or possibly need. And we're not there naturally. We live in a world that is constantly telling us that you need this and you need that and You're not complete unless you have this or that. Well, what did we learn from Colossians chapter 2? We are complete in who? In Him. Lori doesn't complete me. My career doesn't complete me. My house doesn't complete me. No, I'm complete in Christ. And this is where God is working in all of our lives. Consider Psalm 142 and verse 5. I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said... Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. So, as our refuge, God is our shelter. That's where we go for protection. Praise God for that. But He's also our portion. What does that mean? That means that everything that you and I could ever possibly desire, God is it. God is my portion. He is everything, and so if I have God, listen very carefully, it's not that I have God in my life, it's that God is my life. Christ is our life, Colossians chapter 3, and this is where God is, is trying to get all of us. David said, I cried unto thee. One of the reasons that some are crying in life. One of the reasons that we have these bone-crushing seasons in life, one of the reasons that we go through these things is God is using that to bring us to this place that says, okay, I just have to have you, God. That's it. That's it. You are all that I could ever want or need. It's not this. It's not that. It's God. I just have to have you. Now listen very carefully. We could go around the room this morning, and I can say, "Name your desire. Name your desire. Name your desire. Name your desire. Name your desire." If I could, oh, if I, if if if, if I could just have this and this and this and oh, if God would just do this. Listen very carefully. Even if God did that, you must understand, if He is not your portion, eventually, you will still find yourself in a place of discontentment, because no one or nothing can ever truly fulfill you and satisfy you beyond Him. God has built us that way. He is our everything. And today what he's looking to do is once again, as he's been doing in the Psalms, is bring us face to face with him and say, hey, let's go a little deeper. I want you to go deeper with me. And that's the invitation. That's what God wants to do. And I hope your heart is open. And as we see God unpack himself, unveil himself to us once again, you see that, okay, God, you really are my portion. Because these three very basic observations that we're going to see about God in terms of who he is, once again, we could never apply or assign these things to any other human being. Can't. No human being can be these things for us except God. So Psalm 121, verse 1, a song of degrees. Psalm 120 is the first of 15 psalms of degrees, and Psalm 121 is obviously the second. Degrees refers to steps, that's upward or ascending upward. So these psalms uh, could have been song when the Jews would ascend up to Jerusalem. For the three annual feasts, or the priests and Levites sang these songs in the temple as they made their final ascent up to the temple. Either way, you can clearly see that it it has an ascending theme in view. We keep going in verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. So in the previous psalm, the psalmist was struggling with his distress. Uh, he was in a hard place, and he was wrestling with that. And there is strong probability that the author of Psalm 120 was the author of Psalm 121. If so, then something has changed. And what's changed is he's come to realize that God is his portion. Because when God is our portion, listen, we see him as our helper. God is our helper. And we must understand this. God is our helper. The psalmist, listen, he was not looking to the hills themselves for help. There was no help to be found in the hills themselves. Jerusalem is surrounded by seven mountains or seven hills that are higher than itself. And on one of those hills is Mount Zion. This is where God placed His presence, which was a picture or a type of the heavenly Mount Zion. The psalmist set his eyes in that direction. Why? Because that's where God was. He set his eyes in God's direction. He was looking to the hills because that's where God was. So he was setting his eyes, his faith was, I'm looking to God. He is my helper. He is my helper. Life hits very hard at times, doesn't it? Life can throw a mean punch where it can knock you back, it can knock you down, it can knock you out. At times, life can seem downright cruel. The pain can be so deep at times, it can be deep physically, it can be deep emotionally, it can be deep spiritually, it can be deep intellectually, it can be deep all of the above. It hurts. Deeply. And listen, that part of life is not an elective. It's not something that any of us get to bypass. I don't care who you are. You are going to taste those punches. The question is, where do you look for help? That's the question. Uh, Psalm 30, verse 10, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. I will say, this is, God just keeps whispering this into my heart and into my ears. Please, please listen very carefully. One of the prerequisites to be here to embrace this, to embrace God as your helper, is you have to be genuinely humble. You do. Listen, some of us, and I don't have anybody in mind, but some of us are so proud that we're too proud. I remember as a kid, I used to struggle With my mother, again, she was trying to do the best that she could. And just some of the things that she would accept in terms of help. She was a single parent. Some of the avenues that she would explore to provide for us and for me. That's embarrassing, Mom. That we would go here and ask for help from this place my pride. See, some of us, we, we're like that. It, it, it's something has happened. And you know what? Well, all right, God, fine. If that's how you want to play, I'll just go somewhere. That's pride. Instead of coming and saying, God, I humble myself before you. I'm poor and I'm needy. And God, I'm hurting and I can't. You can God, I just humble myself, I place myself before you, and I just say, God, be my helper. I declare my insufficiency. God, my bankruptcy is completely before me. I am completely bankrupt in and of myself. It's you or nothing. I understand that. Psalm 124 verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Listen, our faith always determines the trajectory of our eyes. Every time, our faith determines the trajectory of our eyes. So if we do not believe that God alone is enough, when, not if, life hits hard we'll look elsewhere for help. Because our faith is not in Him. This explains, listen very carefully, this explains why some are suffocating in credit card debt. You know, (laughs) uh, MasterCard, I know they'll come through. Oh, I know Visa, they won't let me down. I know Discover Card, oh yeah, they're always right on time. How's that working out for you? When you're staring down the barrel of how many years, and the tragic reality is, is you have people who are in their elder years, 50, 60, 70 grand in credit card debt. Wow. Why? Because God's not their helper. MasterCard's their helper. Actually, what they don't understand is MasterCard is their master. Or why people are so deeply dissatisfied in marriage and in their relationships in general. Why? Because they look to those things for help. I want you to please help me. You, please get me out of this. And they just bypass God. But the psalmist, listen, he gives us every reason to look to God for help. Listen, look at verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. MasterCard didn't make heaven and earth. The people you're looking to for help, they didn't make heaven and earth, God did. Look at Psalm 124, verse 8 again. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So here's the question. If God is the maker of heaven and earth, what is going on in your life that He can't handle? He made heaven and earth. What's happening in your life that's too big for Him? Oh, wow, yeah. Sorry, I can't help you out there, but uh, I'm praying for you. Oh, give me a break. We keep going. Verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall Not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Listen, those verses right there, I I can hang out there for the rest of the year. That is so exceptionally good. That will comfort your heart in the darkness, that will soothe the pain. God is our keeper, God is our helper. He is our keeper. This is emphasized very clearly for us in verses 3 through 5. It's very clear that He is our keeper, and as our keeper, God protects us from falling. Uh, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. And what does that mean? Well, it means that God will keep us or protect us from falling in our walk, from falling in our faith. But here's what you got to understand. And and this is, and we're just going to see this as we keep walking through this. God is everything that we're going to see that he is. However, this is all conditional on us. God is our helper. God is our keeper and he desires to be both. But God says you do get to forfeit that. Look at Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me, because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Uh, Psalm 55, verse 2. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. See, if we haven't set the Lord always before us, and if we cast our burdens elsewhere... We are going to fall. We are going to fall. God says, I I want to keep you from falling. But if you go elsewhere, you're on your own. Uh, For those who have, this is a great comfort in knowing that God cannot fail in his keeping of us. If you have set the Lord always before you, and if you are casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you, well then, absolutely. Uh, Psalm 121 verses 3-5 to five are just massaging your heart. This is, where, this is what and where you live. Now, to appreciate this, consider the words of Christ unto His disciples when He found Himself at His most critical hour. See, God doesn't slumber nor sleep as our keeper. He doesn't, right? God God isn't drowsy on the job, nor is he napping. But look at the contrast between how God rolls and how we often roll. Matthew 26, verse 40, And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, what could ye not watch with me one hour? He found them asleep. God doesn't slumber nor sleep, we do. <laughs> you see, uh, people have and they will fall asleep on you, right? See, this is what happens when you bypass God. And you go, well, you know what, God, you're not my keeper, but my husband is, my wife is, my children are, my pastor is, my friends are, my family, my mother, my father, my grandparents. You can do that. But here's what you have to know. At some point, they're going to go to sleep on you. God never will do that. You see, God is never asleep in caring for us. Never. Never. <laughs> That's why, again, guys, at best, it is a foolish decision to put your faith in people. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 118, verse 8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. You don't do that. They can only fail you. Now, this brings us to a very critical point, because I know what some are asking or thinking. So if God is never asleep at the will of my life, then how do you explain some of the things that have happened in my life? Uh, The answer is simple, but not necessarily easy to accept. Uh, Since God is never asleep, and since he is omniscient, then that has to mean that God knows what's going to happen before it happens. So with that being true, please help me to understand this that, that over there, and that back there, and that which is probably coming. Understand this, please. It does not mean that God has failed you, because he cannot do that. Consider this also. I've learned this. Sometimes, and I'm not saying every time, I don't know. I am finite. I am limited in what I can know. But I do know that there are times where that is actually a reaping of something we've sown. Again, that's beyond my pay grade. But ultimately, it means that whatever has happened, that God gave his permission for it to happen. Because it could not have happened, except he allowed it to happen. At times, that is immensely challenging for us, correct? Especially when it hits and it hurts so hard. Job 42, verse 3. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me. Would you underline that phrase? Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Job was confessing here that God, I have spoken beyond my pay grade. I have inquired where I don't belong. Brothers and sisters, there are some things in this life that are just too wonderful for us, and we must make peace with that. That's okay. I remember a question I was asked once, and it was a a man, he was an unbeliever, and like many unbelievers do they they want to reduce God to the laws of human logic and reasoning and so since they can't do that, they struggle with God, and they either try and dismiss him altogether or just fight with him for their entire life because God is not always abiding by our rules and our, just how we view and approach life and all of that. And I remember saying to him, and, and I don't think this is just for him to hear. I think this is for all of us to hear and receive. I said, if God did everything that made sense to you and me, he wouldn't be God. If I, could, if, I could, if I could reduce God and put God into our box, where everything God did was predictable, then wouldn't he just be like you and me? Where I could explain everything? See, this is the issue, is we're trying to master and conquer God so that we can make Him our own little personal God that we've programmed Him, and He's going to do everything that we think He ought to do, and He's going to respond to everything like we think He ought to respond, and and He's going to make sure that this doesn't happen in my life, and that doesn't happen in my life, and He's going to... That's not God. That's you and me. And this is where some of us are at war with God, is, I can't figure you out. And what we're really saying is, is I can't conquer you. I can't control you. And this is how many of us go through life where it's this, it's this struggle of control. We want to control everybody and everything. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm sovereign. You'll never control me. You'll never reduce me down to your little box-sized life. God protects us from fainting. Verses 5 and 6 clearly refer to the harsh climate realities. The shade and the sun refer to the heat and the moon. So the cold as temps can drop below freezing when the moon is shining at night. I remember when we were in Malawi, we were on this very, very high mountain and in the daytime it was, it was hot. And then at night the temperature would, I mean, plummet where we were literally sleeping next to a fire to try and stay warm. I mean, it was amazing. And we know all about intense heat around here, don't we? <laughs> if you don't know, you're about to find out this week, just so you know. Okay. Again, if I can quote my mother, and I have to quote her uh, in a Sunday morning way. (laughs) But my mom used to say, uh, you got most of your butt whippings in the summer. (laughs) Because I didn't like the heat. I was cranky, irritable, and just difficult. My mother said, yeah, I used to have to wear your little butt out because I was just difficult. I don't like the heat, I'll just tell you that. I'm not a summer guy. I grew up in Atlanta and it is hot. But spiritually speaking, we have heat waves and blizzard seasons in life, don't we? Where the heat is turned up and life is just frigid. Those seasons can be so harsh that we're tempted to just wither and faint. God, this is extreme. I can't handle it. Proverbs 24.10, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. That day can be so intense that we say, I'm going to tap out. I'm done. God protects us during those seasons. We saw in Psalm 23 that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we... Fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. Uh, That valley of the shadow of death historically referred to uh, this ravine that was just submerged in this very dense forest where wild animals and evil people could easily hide. It, It would have been terrifying to walk through at night. But you know what? If God is with me, I'm good. If God, my keeper, is with me, I have nothing to fear. Now, once again, <laughs> once again, God desires to be our helper, and he desires to be our keeper. But I have to remind you, and me, it is conditional. Look at Psalm 91, verse 9. I want, I want to show you this this contrast just to... Really drive this point home. Psalm 91, 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. Now pay very close attention to keep thee in all thy ways. to keep thee in all thy ways. Now, let's fast forward to Matthew chapter 4 when Christ is tempted of the devil. Matthew 4 verse 5, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge Concerning thee. You catch that? And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. In Luke's account, the devil said, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. But Satan never finished the sentence, did he? No, no, no. And he never does. Look at Psalm 91.11 again. How does that end? In all thy ways. That's how Satan always rolls. He'll give you some truth with a lie. If Jesus would have cast himself down from the pinnacle of the temple, he would have been, listen, operating outside of God's way. And when we do that, we tempt God. This is why Jesus says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. See, whenever we operate outside of the ways of God, listen, We now tempt God to not keep us from falling and fainting. God desires to keep us from that. But God says, you've got to make sure that you are walking in my ways. When you choose to walk outside of my ways, God says you're now tempting me to remove that protective covering over your life. That's why Satan didn't finish the sentence. We talked about the fine print this morning on that. That's exactly how Satan works. Hey, listen, you've got this issue in your life. You've got this thing going down. Hey, let me give you an option for that that takes you away from God. This is guaranteed to work for you. But he doesn't finish a sentence. doesn't give you the fine print. Uh, Psalm 1821, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. See, when you keep the ways of the Lord, you're walking with God. And so, yes, God gives His angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. But those ways are God's ways. Psalm 121, 7 and 8, as we close. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out. And thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. God is our preserver, our helper, our keeper, our preserver. When you find someone else who can be that, you let me know and I will bow and worship him too. But let me save you the time and the energy that person does not exist. It is God and God alone. Listen, God's testimony of the preservation of Israel is impeccable. And there is a great deal we can learn from that. Flawless. The Nazis slaughtered 6 million Jews And according to Zechariah 13 verse 9, two-thirds of the nation of Israel will be slaughtered in the tribulation. Only a third will make it out. Yet no one has ever been able to, nor will anyone ever be able to, erase Israel altogether. And the nations over the centuries have tried. And they are trying, and they will try with everything in them in the tribulation, but God will not let it happen. Why? Because He is the preserver of Israel. And He is the preserver of your soul. Praise the Lord. He preserves our soul from this time forth and even forevermore. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, For the which cause Paul said, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It's so tempting not to read that as believed. It's believed. Like, sometimes we say words, how do we say it that way? Is that just because of how you sing it? Lori? you're the musician in the room. Well, Mark too. like, I just say believed. Is that all right? Okay. You guys aren't mad at me because I didn't say believe it. Okay. I'll hear about it later maybe. I don't know. She's not that difficult. Uh, Paul was a prisoner at this point uh, facing death, but he was fully confident that Christ would keep, preserve that which he had committed to him. What was it that Paul had committed to Christ? Well, obviously his life. We, we we know that and and all that came with that, but the reference to that day tells us that he was looking beyond his day and he was looking into the future. Paul had eternity in view, so he had trusted the Lord with his eternal soul. Now, this is very critical. Paul was not trusting in his works for the preservation of his soul. He was a prisoner at this point. If anybody was going to make it to heaven based on their work, surely it would have been this guy who was about to be martyred for the faith. It doesn't get any higher than that, does it? But he wasn't trusting in that. He was trusting in Christ to preserve his soul against that day. Christ was his helper, keeper, and preserver. Christ was his portion. The question on the floor this morning, is he yours? I I know our class. I am very intimate with our demographic, and I'm very intimate with what happens when we get to this age and stage of life, and we get really good at becoming resourceful. Oh, I know how to handle that. I know how to address that. I know how to fix that. I've lived long enough. I I know how to get over that. I know how to resolve that. I I know how to fix that. I I know how to... We start willing and dealing. But in that willing and dealing, here's what we're doing. We're saying, God, don't need you as my helper. Don't need you as my keeper. Don't need you as my preserver. I got it. I got it. I got the fix. And God said, okay. You go for it. I'll be waiting for you at the end of that decision. It will not work. At best, you're just putting a band-aid on it. But I'll let you come to the end of that. Is he really your helper, your keeper, your preserver, God? Thank you for what you have shown us in your word today. I thank you for just how you have dealt with me in this text. I thank you for what you have and what you are showing me. I thank you, God, for how clear you have made it to me. How short I sell myself when I look beyond you and I look elsewhere for what only you can do. For only who you are and who you can be. And God, I pray for life fellowship and those listening and viewing that. God, we would agree with you here. We would not fight with you, war with you. That we would truly embrace you as our helper, our keeper, and our preserver. In Jesus' name, amen.